Welcome to the James River Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. I want to talk to you from the subject, setting yourself up for a miracle. Setting yourself up for a miracle out of Joshua chapter 3. And we're picking up the story. Joshua is leading the children of Israel, but they're not quite in the promised land yet. They're about to go there, but he takes them and moves them, parks them right next to the Jordan River. And this is, there's an obstacle in their way that God needs to take them through. There's a setting up before the miracle. There's things God wants to do that have to happen before they move into the place God has for them. And you know, God wants to do miracles in your life. There are supernatural things God wants to do. And maybe you're in a situation where you're like, man, I, I believe that. I think God wants to move. But you're like, man, I wonder what needs to happen or why it's not happening yet. I want to encourage you that God may be setting you up for a miracle. There's things God wants to do in your life that are going to set you up for the work and his power to move in your life. How exciting is that? I love that we serve a God that loves to do miracles in our life. Amen. Can we give God some praise? It's true. So I want to start us off by looking at the top of Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. It says this, And they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, that's Joshua, and lodged there before they passed over. Now this, this phrase passed over is really important in Joshua chapter 3 and Joshua chapter 4 because uh, you're going to see it in those passages. You read through those chapters, you'll see it 22 times. So this is about... Three, Joshua 3 and 4 is about God taking them to the promised land, God moving them to a new place, but they have to go through this obstacle in order to get there. God wants to take you to a new place. God, this Passover, he's going to take you through something, but something has to happen before they pass over. And that's really what we can miss as believers. If we want God to work in our life, you know what? God oftentimes wants to work in our life, does work in our life, but there's things he wants to do before he does that. There's a key verse in Joshua chapter three. It says, then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Wonders being a miracle, God working in power. Now notice this, it says, consecrate yourselves. You could put in today for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. God wants to do something today so he, you can see his power tomorrow. God wants to work in you today so you can see him do something supernatural tomorrow. There are things that have to happen in this moment because God wants to work in the next moment. You know, in life we love tomorrow, don't we? Tomorrow, so amazing. It's so awesome just to get to tomorrow. The world loves tomorrow. You know, as, as believers, we're like, God's going to work in my life tomorrow. You know, I'll experience his grace tomorrow. I just can't wait for tomorrow. I think of that song, that powerful, pithy song from the movie Annie. <laughs> the sun will come out tomorrow. I think I might have started too high. The sun will come out tomorrow. Bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow there'll be sun. Little voice crack. We love tomorrow. 
But do you know God wants to work in your life today because he wants to do things tomorrow? You know, you can't discount what God's doing in your life today just because you know God wants to do a miracle tomorrow. Maybe you're waiting for a miracle. Don't discount what God is doing right now because this moment today matters. You never read scripture and get away from the fact that God is all about what happens today. In fact, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not the next day. God wants to work in your life today. And just because God is going to do wonders tomorrow doesn't mean today is not critically important. In fact, God might be using today to set you up for a miracle. I know that you're like, oh man, the miracle sounds so awesome. Man, if I could just get to the miracle tomorrow and God's like, you know what? There's things that I want to see happen in you. Things that I want to do today that are going to make the miracle happen. And they're going to be powerful things that transform your life. And so today, as we talk about setting yourself up for a miracle, I want you to think about what is going on in your life, the things that God wants to do, the things that the ways he wants to work, knowing in faith that God wants to move supernaturally, but you're going to have to say, okay, God, how are you setting me up for a miracle today? So I'm going to give you three principles out of Joshua chapter three. The first one is this willingness to wait on God and follow his lead is what sets you up for a miracle. Your willingness to wait on God and follow his lead is what will set you up for a miracle. And we see this in Joshua chapter three. You look at this. And they came to the Jordan. He and all the people of Israel lodged there before they passed over, before the miracle. And at the end of three days, the officers went through the camp. So God takes them to the Jordan and he parks them there for three days and they have to wait. Now, maybe that you're like, okay, what's the big deal with that? Well, the Jordan is at flood stage. We know that because it says this and the, it was the harvest season and the Jordan was overflowing its banks. Now to help you understand this, maybe if you went to Israel today, you wouldn't see the Jordan as, as uh, even during the rainy season being as flooded. And it's because they've done things to mitigate that flooding, to use the water. But at the time when the Jordan was flood, in flood stage, it could be up to a mile wide. This was a raging river, a flooded river, and they're parked right next to it. And they have to stay there for three days. And as they're sitting there, they're hearing the river every day. And they're like, oh yeah, where's the promised land again? It's like, oh, it's on the other side of that thing. You know, they're hearing it. They're hearing it when they go to bed. They're having to talk over it when they wake up in the morning. They're seeing trees go down the river. It's a raging river. And if you look up, I mean, I, you can Google, you know, flooded rivers, you know, you'll see rivers that take out houses. You'll see rivers that are pulling cars down the river. It doesn't take much water, but if you can imagine a river that's overflowing its banks at flood stage and they have to cross that. And you might think like, well, why would God do that? Why would God park them next to the thing that they have to cross and make them wait? I don't know about you, but maybe you're like, man, there's a place where I need God to work. And that same question can come to your mind. Like, God, why aren't you moving in this situation? God, I feel like you just parked me next to this obstacle and, and it's like, it's, it's a bad deal. And I don't really want to look at it. I don't want to think about it. I want to think about the miracle, but you're having me just stare this obstacle in the face. Why would God do that? You know, I want to give you a little newsflash. 
Miracles aren't miracles unless they're miraculous, all right? Miracles aren't miracles. I know you came to church for that. I thought you were like, oh man, I really needed that. Maybe write that one down. Miracles are not miracles unless they're miraculous. And faith isn't faith unless you can't do it on your own, unless it's impossible, unless you have to believe God. It's not really faith. And God puts them next to this river to say to them, hey, listen, I want you to get it in your heart that you cannot do this on your own. Sometimes God will do that. Sometimes God will have you sit with your problem. So you say, you know what, God, I've tried or God, I'm looking at it and I just don't think there's any way to do that. You know, because sometimes we can be, as Christians, we can call it faith to be like, hey, God, I got it worked out. God, I got it figured out. God, I, can, I think we can do this. You know, you'd be sitting next to the Jordan and you might be drawing up plans and like, then you'd be like, man, wait a second. This is, there's just no way we can do that. There's no way. You know, that's, that's what causes us to rely on the Lord. Uh, Christmas time, I, I got a uh, pocket knife, which is awesome. It's the first one I've ever owned. And uh, my in-laws gave it to me. I don't know if they just think maybe like, I need to like be a little more manly or tougher, uh, but they did that. I wasn't insulted at all. Uh, I was like, oh, I got like six of these at home. <laughs> Not really, I didn't say that, it would be lie. Anyway, I had to use scissors to open it, but it's cool. Uh, so. so anyway, it was one of those pocket knives that you get like, you open it up and it has like, you know, pliers, it can like, it can like respond to emails for you. It's like amazing. And so uh, I started carrying it around, you know? So if like I need to cut something open, I can, I can cut it open. I got a pocket knife. I don't have it on me today, but that's cool. Uh, anyway, so I, I, I am carrying it around and uh, a whole, whole nother story about how awesome I am. I was gonna drill a hole in my glass coffee table, my, our outdoor furniture coffee table, because I was gonna run a fire pit through it. And I like read, I watched all these tutorials on YouTube and like totally shattered it in five seconds, which was really cool. And my wife told me it was gonna happen and then she, to her credit was like, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so anyway, we get this, we get like, I, I got a new piece of glass for it and it came in and I thought this is a great moment to teach one of my kids about knife safety, all right? With my new pocket knife. Like we can open this, no problem. Like I can open anything. And so I get the pocket knife out and I'm like, uh, give it to one of our kids. I'm gonna leave them nameless to protect them. And, uh, Anyway, we're like working it open and they slip and the knife stabs me in the hand. Now there, if you're squeamish, close your ears, but there was like blood shot out of my hand, okay? Uh, and so much so I was, you know when something happens so fast, you're like, you're like trying to catch, like, did I, am I okay? Am I gonna die? And they literally looked at me like, I just killed dad, you know? So <laughs> no joke. So then, uh, so then I'm like, it's okay. Literally, it was so hard. The only thing that stopped that knife was my, my thumb bone, all right? So I'm going, yeah, it's gross. And so I'm, I'm holding um, paper towels and like being like, Beth, don't touch it, you know? And, uh, but you know, with your kids, you're like, even if, even if, I knew I was gonna have to go get stitches, but I'm like, daddy's okay, buddy. Daddy's fine. Daddy's not hurt at all, you know? Like, <laughs> but and the, I was like, man, this really hurts and I better go to the doctor. <laughs> and I tell you that story because sometimes 
You know, it's one thing if you're doing that with your kid. But it's another thing if you're facing a problem where you know you, you're going to need help, and especially the Lord's help, you know it's impossible. You know, God, this will not move without you, yet you could be bleeding out, and you could be looking at God and be like, it's fine, I got it, God. I, I got it, I'm tough, you know? And you're thinking that's faith. When God has actually put you in that position, not so you can show how awesome you are as a Christian or how tough you are as a person, but he's actually put you there so you would rely on him. You know, God does that because he wants to show his power and his love for you. Sometimes he's going to park you next to uh, a Jordan River in your life that's chaotic. It's actually overflowing its banks. You're like, this thing's out of control. And yet I know that in order to get where the Lord is leading me, in order to, to walk in the blessing of God and, the, and see God do a miracle, I'm going to have to cross that. But the feeling that you have when you look at it is like, this is impossible. I don't know how this is going to work out. And, and God's put you there not to uh, cause you to be full of fear or to overwhelm you to the point that you're frozen, but to say, you know what? You're right. You can't do this. But you know what? If you trust me, I will part it and you'll see me move in a way that you could never imagine because I love you and I love to do that in your life. And there's a waiting period at times where that sinks in. And that's what, so when God does the miracle, you can say, wow, I looked at that for a long time, could not figure that out, was overwhelmed by the problem, but I put my faith in God and he came through and I know it was God who did it. And I know he loves me and I know he is able because I've seen him come through. That's the power of sitting next to an obstacle that requires a miracle. So when you see God do it, you can say, there was no way I could have had that figured out. Only God could have done that. And that's exactly what's happening here. And God, you know what? If we want to be set up for a miracle, we have to be willing to wait on God and then willing to follow his lead. Look at it. It says this. At the end of three days, the officers went to the camp giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you're to move out from your positions and follow it. Why are they to follow it? Well, first of all, they want the Lord to lead them and they don't really know where they're going. Watch this. Then you will know which way to go since you've never been this way before. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the Ark. Do not go near it so everybody can see it. And I want you to notice that the ark, first of all, it represents in the Old Testament, that represents the presence of the Lord. So they're saying, he's saying, when the ark moves out, when you see God move, when you sense God's moving in your life, you're to follow his moving. Because you don't know which way to go. You don't know how it's going to be solved. You don't know what God's going to do. So you have to be ready to follow. That's why the prayer meeting, things like the prayer meeting are so important. It's not just so we can just, hey, we want to get together on Wednesday. No, we're getting there to say, God, we need you to move in the church, but also as individuals saying, God, I want to be in your presence because I want to open my heart to how you would speak to me. I want to open my heart to you moving because I know when I'm in your presence, you're going to begin to sensitize my heart to your leading. You're going to, you know, it, it's in the presence of the Lord. That's why things happen where it's like, you know, I was just in his presence and I was, uh, you know, praying about this situation. And then I had a thought that I never would have thought of on my own. I just would have never gone that way. That's the Lord speaking to you. 
That's the Lord you saying, God, I'm going to be in your presence because I want to follow your lead. I don't want to figure, I don't want to go my own way. I don't want to try to figure this out on my own. I want to see your supernatural leading. You know, because often when God is leading you, it's not going to make sense. So you have to be following his presence to do what you would never do on your own because you're saying, God, I want your leadership. And if you want to be set up for a miracle, you want to see God work miraculously in your life, you have to be willing to wait on him and you have to be willing to say, God, I'm going to follow your lead. I'm going to follow your presence. I'm going to be in your presence, hear your voice, and then I'm going to do what you say. And when you do that, God, God's setting you up. You're, you're really positioned for a miracle. You're positioned for God to work in your life in a new way. Secondly, consecration sets you up for a miracle. Look at this. He says, then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. What's, what's consecrate mean? What's he saying? Consecrate, the word is kadash in the Hebrew. It means holy. Holy means like other, it means sacred, it means set apart. The holy, that word is used to describe uh, the, the presence of the Lord in Isaiah when the cherubim are saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It's this idea of set apartness, otherness. And so when the Bible, when Joshua is saying, consecrate yourselves, here, here's a way to understand consecration, separation from anything that would contaminate your relationship with God. You know, if you want to see God do a miracle in your life, then there are, before that happens, there are times where you're going to have to say, God, I'm getting rid of anything that would hinder the work of the Holy Spirit. I'm getting rid of anything that would dishonor you. I'm getting rid of anything that would diminish your presence on my life because God, I want to see you move. God, I want to see your power in my life. Some of you are wondering, you're, you're a Christian, but you're not seeing God work in your life the way he would want to. And you're wondering why. And the Holy Spirit is coming to you today through the word of God to tell you, you're not going to see God work in your life as long as you have things in your life that you know dishonor him. As long as you're allowing things in your life that you know are diminishing God's presence, things that don't honor him, then you're going to see a lack of power on your life that God would desire for you to have. That's why consecration is so important. And you see it all throughout scripture when people are going to be used by God or people are going to meet with God, then consecration is a part of that. There are moments in our life where we have to say, God, I want to encounter you in a new way. God, I need you to do a miracle. And so God, I'm going to, by the power of the Holy Spirit, take inventory of the things in my life. And God, if there be anything in my life that dishonors you, anything that takes my eyes off your presence, God, I'm gonna limit that because I want you to move. You know, in Exodus, God's going to meet with his people and Moses is leading the people and he says this, and the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day because on that day, the Lord will come down. 
So God is speaking to Moses, say, hey, I'm going to visit my people in power. The, 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 literally, the whole community of Israel, two million people are going to hear God's audible, booming voice. They're going to experience a visual representation of the presence of God on the mountain. They're going to experience God in a new way. But before that happens, they have to consecrate themselves because they're going to meet with a holy God. You know what? Christ has died for our sin. Christ makes us clean, but we need to walk in that. And the grace of God doesn't mean that God is not holy. And we do well as believers to say, God, I recognize that. God, I want to walk in your holiness. Because when we value holiness and we say, God, I want to walk in a way that honors you, that's when we open ourselves up for the work of the Holy Spirit and the power of God on our life. Maybe you've heard this term, grieving the Holy Spirit. You don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. You know, as believers, the Bible talks about that because there are things in our life, things we can allow just through what, you know, it can be things that we're like the way we talk. It can be things we watch. It could be things that we uh, allow ourselves to be around or are putting into our mind and our heart that grieve the Holy Spirit and cause a diminished work of his presence on our life. And the Bible is clear that if we say, God, I don't want anything like that. I'm going to move away from things that would diminish your presence and move towards you, that that's going to, we're going to see God work in our life in a more powerful way. Look at this in the New Testament. Paul says this, therefore, come out from among unbelievers and be separate, separate yourselves from them says the Lord, do not touch their filthy things and I will welcome you and I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit and let us work toward complete holiness because we fear God or because we worship God. Now this is Paul writing to believers. So what's he saying? He's saying there are things that we need to separate ourselves from, things that are okay or the world engages in, but for us as believers, we don't engage in because we're people of God. And we separate ourselves from those things because we want to walk in relationship with the Lord. Jesus has given us access to relationship with God. He's given us access to the presence of God. And so we, when we want to walk in that, then we have to say, God, I'm not going to let things in my life that would hinder that. I want to walk in that because I want to walk in relationship with you and I want to walk in holiness and I value that. And that opens us up to God using us in a more powerful way. I, maybe you're thinking like, okay, what are some practical ways? Well, I just want to encourage you. you it's, a, it's a good thing every once in a while to say, God, is what I'm watching on TV, is what I, maybe you're binging things on Netflix or whatever, and you're like, but I really enjoy that. Well, if those things don't honor the Lord, if those things hinder, if they're full of sensuality, full of violence, then you have to say, man, maybe these things are hindering the work of God in my life because I'm filling my heart and my mind with things that don't honor the Lord. You have, to, you have to say, God, I value your presence and I don't want anything that would diminish that. 
You know, maybe, maybe you're engaged in things on your phone or in, in, it could be things where you're, where you're having a, a relationship with somebody and you're, that's like, honestly, you know, it's, maybe it can be an old friend from high school or whatever and you're saying, you know what, but we're just friends and I, and I like that. But the Holy Spirit's speaking to you and saying that's not going to help your marriage. That's not going to be good for you and you need to diminish that. Sorry, I'm getting emotional. But I'm just, I, God cares about those things. He cares about what goes on in your life. It's not just like, oh, the grace of God will cover it. Yes, there is the grace of God, but God wants to work in your life in power and he wants to move you into blessing, but you're diminishing that through what you allow in your life and the Holy Spirit speaking to you today saying, hey, that's not what's good for you. You need to consecrate yourself and you will see my power work in your life. And it puts us in a place of usefulness. Look at this in Timothy. It says this, Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. Therefore, anyone who cleanses himself from what is dishonorable will be a vessel used for honorable use, set apart as holy and useful to the master of the house. You know, as you say, God, I just want my heart to be a place where you are. God, I want to invite your presence in. God begins to speak to you. You know, that's when you start saying, okay, God, I want to be aware of your presence right now. And God, and, and honestly, that, you, you're saying, God, I'm getting rid of things that would hinder that. But then, God, I'm inviting you in. And you see God, it's God's like, pray for that person. Or God, I'll, you're used to encourage people. And you felt like that was not just a normal encouragement. That was a divine appointment. Or you pray for somebody and a miracle happens in their life. That's God using you because you set yourself apart. You know, there's some things we won't see as believers if we're not committed to being consecrated. You know, there's things God wants to do. Just because God wants to do it doesn't mean it will happen just because he wants to unless we're consecrated. You know, Hebrews says it like this, work at living a holy life for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. You will not see everything God wants to do in your life unless you're fully committed to saying, God, I, anything that dishonors you, I'm getting rid of. But when you do that, and I, I just want to encourage you, maybe you're there today and maybe, maybe as I'm talking, you're like, man, I kind of just, I, I, I want that, but it, man, I feel bad. And it's like, I have to get, you know, how does that work? And I'm saying, this is not like a five-step process. This is you today saying, the Holy Spirit's speaking to me on this. I'm going to get rid of those things. I'm going to set my heart on him. I'm going to take a break. I'm going to look to the Lord. And when you do that, you're setting yourself up for a miracle. You're setting yourself up for God to work in. He'll be right there. His presence will be right there to say, you know what? You've consecrated yourself. You said, God, you, you said, God you're my priority. God, I want to be in your presence. I'm going to do a miracle in their life. Number three, movement sets you up for a miracle. Movement sets you up for a miracle. You know, they're parked at the Jordan and they're hearing the waters move. And they're, they're like, they're told, okay, you know what? God's gonna do wonders among you tomorrow. He's gonna part the Jordan. But I want you to notice something as we read this passage. The Jordan doesn't part until they move. Look at this. It says, so when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them now the Jordan is at flood stage during harvest, yet as soon as the priest who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped. It piled up in a, 
in a great a heap, a great distance away. The priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground. Notice it's dry, it's a miracle. It's not, either, even the ground's not moist. In the middle of the Jordan, while all Israel passed by, moving to where, moving to the promised land, moving to where God has for them, until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Now I want you to go back, because yeah, I want you to see this. So when the people broke camp, when they broke camp, was the river parted? No. And the priest carrying the ark went ahead. So the priests start moving, is the river parted? No. As soon as the priests who carried the ark, the presence of the Lord, their feet touched the water's edge, the waters upstream stopped flowing. As soon as they touched the water. Now, I just want you to imagine this for a moment because honestly, if you're facing an obstacle that you're like, man, only God can do this. It's hard to get moving before you see God move. Oftentimes, I mean, if that was us, we might be, you know, you're camped and you're like, you know, God said he's going to part the Jordan. I'm really excited about that. That's going to be great. Yep. Is it parted? Nope. So I'm just going to stay here till it parts. I'm a person of faith. Nope. Still not parted. Because when, when it parts, I'm going to move. You know, so many times we can live like this. God, I'm planted. You know, we can even make it sound spiritual. God, I'm planted. Secure in your promise that when that parts, I'm gonna move. God, when I see some movement, you'll see me move. God, you can count on me to move when there's movement. God, I know you're gonna take me to the promised land. When that Jordan starts parting, I'm gonna get up. And God's saying, no, I, that's not how it's gonna work. I wanna work in your life, but you're gonna have to take a step of faith. Because the real faith comes when there's movement. Maybe God's been speaking to you. He's saying, I want to do this. I got things for you. He's speaking to you. Maybe it's, maybe it's to give your heart to Christ. And you're like, God, when I see you work in my life, you know what? When I start, when I start living for you, God, and I start to see your power in my life, then I'll, I'll come forward, God, when I get it cleaned up. And God said, no, I want you to move before you see. I want you to move before you see. Oh, okay, that's good. You know, maybe it's giving. Oh God, when I see you touch my finances, I'm praying for my finances. I'm praying to see, uh, when I see you, I'm gonna, start, I'm gonna start moving. God says, no, I want you to move before the miracle because the movement's gonna be what sets you up for the miracle. Some of you need to make a phone call and get moving and to say, God, I prayed for this, but I haven't done anything. God, I'm trusting you that as I start moving, you're gonna do a miracle. God, I, I wanna see you move but I know, God, I'm gonna have faith to step out. And as soon as their feet touch the water, as soon as they, they break camp, they start getting the ark, they get their kids. If, you're, if you have kids, you know that was a move of faith right there. You know what? They buckle them up in the car seat and they say, we're going. And they're like, but the river isn't moved. I know, I know, but God said he's gonna move it. I, I, we're, gonna, we're gonna do it. You know, and we're gonna go. And then the priest, come up to the water and there, there's no parting. They come up and then they set their foot in a raging flooded river. And at that moment, God does a miracle that moves them into the promised land. The movement sets them up for a miracle. 
I believe there's some people that are here today. And as I'm talking, you're like, man, that is exactly what I needed. And you're going to get moving and you're going to say, wow, God, if I only knew I'm going to, I started moving and that's when God did the miracle. I started moving and that's when God did the miracle in my marriage. I started moving. That's when God did the miracle in my job. I started moving and that's when God did. I started, I jumped in with all I had before God did anything. And that's when God did the miracle because God wants to bring you into a new place. He wants to bring you into a new normal. And some of you are parked right by the Jordan and God's saying, hey, look at that. I know you can't do it, but just follow me. Make my presence a priority, consecrate yourself and then get moving. And you're gonna see me move in power in your life in Jesus name, amen.